1: Sixty-five days a
0: year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into this Sunday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Let's start with the bad news first. Unfortunately, we did get confirmation to what Matt Lafleur had basically. Uh, you know, intimated on Friday night that Tyler Davis had a serious injury and it is in fact a torn ACL. So brutal for Tyler Davis, brutal for the Packers. And I know I saw in the comments, and obviously some people are just going to be crappy about it or whatever, but I get that Tyler had a really tough preseason last year, right? It like I think there was a lot of expectations going in. There was a ton of hype about Tyler, you know, from OTAs and mini camps and Brian Gudekinst and uh, you know, Matt LaFleur had brought his name up multiple times unprompted and, you know, he just didn't live up to it in the preseason. And then, you know, you got to the regular season and it was a lot of Tony and it's a lot of Mercedes Lewis. He doesn't get a lot of chance on the field. And he ultimately was the number one special teams player, played the most snaps of anyone on Green Bay's team on special teams last year. Got certainly uh, a little, you know, probably what, 100, 200 plays on offense last year. So got some plays here and there, did fine. But, you know, I don't think anyone ever really got to see him in a lot of the, like the dirty work he was doing as a blocker and on special teams and things like that. And then you enter this offseason, and he's had a really nice offseason, was projecting to once again be one of Green Bay's best special teams players, and probably their most utilized special teams player, and was having a really nice offseason on offense as well, was going to be you know right in the rotation with Musgrave and Tucker Craft, and was probably going to be the primary blocking tight end, and was going to get a lot of run with this number one offense in the se- in the regular season. And I know some people are like, well, this is just going to give Musgrave and Craft more opportunities, which is true. And I think we're all excited to see more of, you know, Tucker Kraft and Luke Musgrave. But I think what we need to recognize here is a couple things. A, this brings them to three tight end, true tight ends on the roster, right? Kraft, Musgrave, and Austin Allen. Austin Allen is incredibly raw. I'll talk about him a little bit more in just a moment. And then you've got two rookies who have never played in the NFL before. Furthermore, none of them are true blocking tight ends in any shape of, of, or any way, shape, or form. And you've got Josiah Deguara, who is a H-back fullback kind of tight end, but also not a blocking tight end. And if you're going to actually like take snaps away from, you know, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, it's going to be more of like what, you know, Deguara would do because again, he's not going to be used in that blocking role. Henry Pearson is a true fullback. So, you don't have any sort of blocking tight end. And I've talked about this in the past. You could theoretically just use a sixth offensive lineman in some of those scenarios. Caleb Jones would be a very fun option to think about in in some of those six tight end sets. They could use a, you know, you could use a Rashid Walker. You could use a couple different guys, Yash Naiman, obviously, if he's not in the starting lineup. So there's definitely some ways that you could do that as well. But the tight end position is now insanely slim and thin, and you have three true tight ends. You're going to have to add to the roster. And I get, Listen, I totally one million percent get losing Tyler Davis does not change the win loss record probably for the team this year. It doesn't change your long term projections of when you're trying to open up a Super Bowl window and those things like that. I get it, but he was going to be on this 53 man roster. He was going to be probably a three to four hundred snap a a guy player at tight end. Was probably going to play, like I said, more special team snaps than anyone else. And you're going to pick someone up in that spot and they're going to be worse. (laughs) Like that, that's the thing, right? They're they're almost surely going to be worse uh, for who's ever taking that spot. So it's not like it's the end of the world. It's not like it's going to change the the franchise at 1265, but it's definitely a bummer. And he did have a really nice role carved out for himself for this upcoming year. So bummed for him, bummed for Green Bay. Hopefully they can find somebody that can take his spot, but uh, he will be out for the full season clearly with that torn ACL. All right, let's jump into my film review. I had the opportunity to go through, watch all of the all 22 film on both offense and defense. I graded every player on every play. So let me just talk about that really quick because people get a little bit uptight of like grades and like, you don't, you don't know the play call and what they're supposed to. Okay. we'll, We'll talk about that. So yes, this is my seventh year, seventh year grading every single player from the Packers on every single play. So just a, I'm not going to go through every single detail and minutiae on how it works, but on every single play, a player can grade between negative two and plus two. And those would be like extremes, right? It like a a pick 6 in the you know with the super bowl on the line is a negative 2 and a plus 2 is a you know beautiful 40 yard touchdown pass with the super bowl the line or whatever those are extremes obviously but th- that would be like extreme extreme grades on any given play like an unbelievable once in a lifetime plus 2 grade or a negative 2 grade that those are the extremes but more often than not Every play is somewhere between like plus 0.05, plus 0.1, negative 0.05, negative 0.1. Like a really small little difference. And most grades on a given player are zero. Like it's just an average play. The guy across from you didn't beat you. You didn't beat him. It was just sort of a stalemate. And that's sort of the, the measuring stick, Right. And it's not to set up of like, all right, I'm not drawing up the play in the playbook of like, here's exactly what they were trying to execute or defensively. Here's where the corner needs to hand off to the safety and so on and so forth. I simply will not know all of the rules that are you know, in place in the secondary. There's different ways to play a cover three and a cover four based on certain looks and formations and what you did in practice. I can't know that inherently by just looking at the film, but there is a crap ton. And I mean a crap ton that I can know just looking at the film. And here's what else I would say. If you who's ever watching this, I don't care who you are. I don't care what background you have. I don't care any of it, right? If you watched every single player on every single play for the entirety of the season, for seven seasons, you're going to pick up on some things, period. End of story. You're going to be able to tell like, oh, this player's playing pretty well, or this player's playing pretty poorly. So the numbers are in an effort to be able to show that in a numerical sense in a, you know, if you wanted to chart it out through a period of time, which is what I do through the course of the year, that is able to do that. Is it a perfect system? Nope. Am I a perfect grader? Nope. Is it the be all end all and you should take it as canon and everything that the Packers should or shouldn't do is based on? No, a million percent. No. Do I stand by it? Yes. Do I put a crap ton of time into it? Yes. Do I really believe that I'm giving you the best information that I possibly can? Yes. So that's where it's at. It's not perfect. It's never meant to be perfect. And what I'm trying to grade is what I can tell. So for example, if you've got a corner and a wide receiver, man coverage going at it on the outside and the quarterback throws a 50-50 ball, like how did they do on that given play? Did the corner win? Did the wide receiver win? And so on and so forth. If you've got David Bakhtiari versus an edge rusher, and it's just those two against each other, did Bakhtiari win or did he lose? And so on and so forth. right? So there's certain things that you can absolutely glean from watching the tape. And that's what I am grading. If I can't tell the play, if I don't know what the play, you know, if I can't tell what the assignment was, if I can't tell who blew it, I'm not grading it. So there's going to be some stuff that's left incomplete, but I'd rather leave it incomplete than grade it in the wrong, right? And not know what I'm, you know, grade somebody negative when it wasn't even their fault. So if I don't know, I don't grade it. If it's, clearly easy to tell and they did something wrong, it's a negative. If it's clearly easy to tell and they did something right, it's a positive. Simple as that. You do that through the course of the year and you're going to get a really good indication of who plays well and who doesn't. And by the way, if you track it throughout the seven years that I've done this, guess who ends up getting cut? Pretty like the most. The players who grade in the negative almost every single time. Guess who ends up going to the Pro Bowl in all pros? The players who grade extremely well pretty much every single time. There's not really been much discrepancy with those things, like at all. And, you know, you can tell a lot by going through the grades over the course of the years and see how it matches up with what Green Bay's done. And it's 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 I like I said, I stand by it. But enough about that. Let's get into uh the grades the one other thing i will say is that the variance can be extremely high in preseason because a lot of these guys aren't playing very many plays right so if you play 70 60 70 snaps in a game or you know a thousand snaps in a season your your grades going to like level out a little bit over time if you've got you know, 10 plays on the books and you had one really bad play or one really good play, it's going to look a lot different, right? So just know that there's a lot more variance in preseason. And actually, this is my first time ever grading preseason tape because usually I haven't had the all 22 in the past. This time I do, so we're getting grades for preseason as well. One other quick, quick note. If ever you decide that you want to take on grading every single player on every play, a note to you for your future self If you wanna go and, and mark down your grades, either in your notebook or your spreadsheet, and you are grading Ford as a plus or a minus, please make sure that you note either Jonathan Ford Rudy Ford or Tyrell Ford, because the Packers defense has three Fords, and you will have to go back and check your work on all of the plays where you graded a Ford to make sure that you graded the right Ford. So, just as a note, it's not fun to have to go back and do. So, make sure that you're abbreviating it correctly uh, if you are grading the Packers or any other team that has multiple names on offense or defense. All right, enough about that. My top three offensive players from this game: Zach Tom plus 1.05 grade, Emmanuel Wilson plus 0.85, and Rashid Walker, actually, plus 0.7. So, let's start with Zach Tom. I thought Zach Tom was phenomenal in this game. I thought he was fantastic at right tackle, specifically, the best play, or one of his best plays, was he was at right tackle, and... He it was the play to Dobbs in the end zone, and he just held up all day for Jordan Love to be able to, you know, kind of wait in the pocket and loft that beautiful pass to Romeo Dobbs in the end zone. There were multiple plays like that. He had one or two plays that made like you could give him a slight negative on, but almost every single play was a positive. I did think he was better at right tackle than he was at center, so wherever you want to put that in your notebook, you know, note that moving forward. And we'll get to the the center and right tackle spot a little bit later, but I thought Zach Tom was fantastic. Really solidified himself in this game. I talked about it yesterday. He was one of the three players that I thought really helped themselves the most in this game is like solidifying the spot. He's a starter. There's no question about it. I will be, Not only shocked, but frustrated if Zach Tom is not starting week one in some capacity. He might have even moved up to the third best offensive lineman already behind Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. So he was phenomenal in this game. And I expect that to be a consistent moving forward. Emmanuel Wilson, plus 0.85. You know the story, right? He, well, like one of his best runs got called back for a pretty weak holding penalty on Deuce Watts. Uh, But he had a very nice day. One run where he stumbled a little bit. But the, the ability to get small in the hole for his size, make people miss, run through tackles, run with a good pad level, and then out of nowhere, not only like you know make a beautiful cut to the outside, but then even though the safety had a little bit of an angle to erase him and take it 80 yards for a touchdown, I've been pretty excited about Emmanuel Wilson and some of the things that I saw in camp. I never thought that he had that breakaway speed. That was a big time performance for Emmanuel Wilson. He is very, very much in that number three running back battle. And I can't wait to see more Emmanuel Wilson in the next couple of games. And then Rashid Walker is the interesting one. A huge part of this is that he got to play like almost the entire game. He played more snaps than anyone in this game, which gave him more opportunity. He had a couple plays where he allowed, allowed some pressure. There's no question about it. A couple plays he'd like to have back. But on the whole, he had a really nice day. Now, he did get the benefit as well of like in the fourth quarter and stuff, he's going against some third stringers, which helped him out. But overall, I thought this was a really nice performance. Thought he was a little bit better in pass protection than in run blocking. But there was a reason why Jordan Love and Sean Clifford, and not so much Love because Walker wasn't in there when Love was. But there was a reason Clifford had that time to throw the ball down the field through the good majority of the game. That offensive line you know, held up for him very, very well. And Rasheed Walker was a big piece of that. So top three, Zach Tom, Emmanuel Wilson, and Rashid Walker. My bottom three offensive players, Royce Newman, negative 0.8, Tucker Kraft, negative 0.65, and Kadeem Telfort, negative 0.3. Newman had a really tough game, and he had a tough game in the fourth quarter against third stringers. It's not great. He got bull rushed on a play. He got knocked over on another play. It was, it, it, you, and you don't need me to tell you that, right? You saw it. Uh, anyone that watched the preseason game, you saw it. You saw it, you saw it happen. It just wasn't good enough for Royce Newman. This has been a significant fall off from a player as a rookie who played over a thousand snaps, started almost the entire season and held his own. I'm not saying it was great. I'm not even saying it was good, but he held his own. It was, it was average level play. For a rookie playing his first snaps, fourth round pick, you go to year two and you're expecting... All right, this guy's going to potentially be a five-six year starter in Green Bay. He's going to hopefully take a step, and at, at worst, he's going to be a guy that you can count as a potential swing guard and tackle. He's got some position versatility. Last year was not good enough. This year, first game, first preseason game, he, like ugly football, ugly, ugly football. His job, in my opinion, very much in jeopardy. He's playing if he, if Royce Newman's playing in mid to late fourth quarter that tells you all you need to know of where his job status is right now. And it, it was not good enough. Like to me, like that's a great opportunity for Royce Newman to get, you know, some confidence, right? You're playing fourth quarter uh, football with Sean Clifford at quarterback and the guys around you are even blocking pretty well, like Rashid Walker and and those guys, like, and you can't hold up at the point of attack. It It's, it's not a great scene for for Royce Newman at this point. Tucker Craft had a really nice backside block. Uh, ben Fennell, uh posted that one. So there's a couple of nice plays that you can find on tape. Had a catch where he kind of stumbled for about five yards, uh, but it's it, nothing egregious here. I'll talk about the interception a little bit more later. I talked about it a little bit yesterday as well, uh, but overall I thought there was just a lot to work on. A lot of this was blocking. Let's just be real, right? And he didn't really get a ton of opportunity as a wide receiver, at least not down the field, nothing like Musgrave got or anything like that. So, uh, this was just a, a lot of blocking stuff and then certainly involved in that interception as well. And then Kadim Telford late in the game, he's actually having an okay game until the, the, um, the uh, the the quarterback fumble uh, Alex Magoo sorry the Alex Magoo fumble at the end the the rusher that came around was on Telford got by him pretty clean forced the fumble on Magoo and uh, they got the ball back off of that forced fumble so uh, that was Kadeem Telford's big uh, negative play but those are the three negatives Royce Newman Tucker Craft and Kadeem Telford my top three players on defense Carrington Valentine plus one point zero five Shamar Charles plus 0.45, and T J Slayton plus 0.4, I don't need to tell you about Carrington Valentine. We've been over it, right? He's been fantastic. Somebody asked me, like, you know, would the, would the grade been as good if, like, he didn't get the interception? It wouldn't have been quite as good, but I like I said yesterday, I thought he played the interception well. The, the ball was going high. I thought the receiver did a good job of, like, almost, like, trying to come down with it and getting a tip on it, but that even made it almost more impressive that Valentine still had the concentration to come down with the ball, even after he bobbled it as well off the tip and still came down with it, Right. And then, you know, the first, one of the first plays he had the, the pass breakup where he was just on it and just missed another interception. He had a couple plays where, you know, maybe slightly like to have back, but nothing egregious. It was just a really, really solid day. I thought one of his best plays where he got off the block and made that tackle at the line of scrimmage, really fun day by Carrington Valentine. He's been super impressive. And this was no different in that first preseason game. Shamar John Charles plus 0.45. This was the best that I've seen Shamar play. I thought he played physical. I thought he covered very well, played in the slot and like whoever was in the slot for the Bengals didn't matter. He matched up with them really, really well. Covered deep, covered intermediate, covered short, just a really nice coverage day. Good tackling day. I've not seen that from Shamar in camp. I've not seen that from him in previous games. That was, like I said, the best I've seen Shamar play, and hopefully that's an indicator and a harbinger of what's going to come moving forward. And then TJ Slayton, go watch him early in the game. There's not many snaps for TJ. He was dominant, had a couple really nice run stops, or at least was filling the gaps. He couldn't move the guy, beat off a double team um, in uh, in one specific play. But yeah, really, really fun stuff from TJ Slayton. And hopefully that's also an indicator of what's going to come once the regular season starts, because that guy is oozing with talent and potential. And if he sees it through, that defensive line is going to be a lot more fun this season. My bottom three defensive players, Jonathan Owens, negative 0.55, had two plays. He had the the misplay in the open field uh, where there was a big complete or the the completion underneath, and then um, he you know the, the receiver made a quick move outside. Owens did a horrible job of containing him, and the receiver got outside and was able to get downfield on him. And then there was another play right in the hole where the running like he filled the gap in, and it was right there to tackle the running back, and the running back just broke his tackle and continued on for a big gain. So. Two really rough plays for Jonathan Owens. Kenneth Odomegwu. This is where like it's hard to not be like biased and human when you're grading stuff. I wanted to just be like, we can just give him a, a pass. We can just give him an NA, right? We'll just, we are not even gonna count this. Like, it's an incomplete. We'll just give him an incomplete. Because like he's this is the first game of football. This is his very first game of football. Of course, the rugby player from overseas is probably not gonna look very great in limited playing time. Like, but you could just tell, like, he was. This is just a work in progress. We'll just put it that way. No harm, no foul. This is what you expect from Otomegwu, but there was definitely going to be a learning curve from him, and we saw some of that learning curve in this game. And then Jason Luan as well, some plays late, just couldn't get off some blocks, negative 0.35 grade. It is what it is. And, uh, you know, he could be a a player that, you know, grows on the practice squad, but isn't just quite ready at this point. So Owens, Otomegwu, and Luan, my three lowest graded players. All right, let's talk about. Um, just some, some fun plays that I went through as I was sort of grading the film and then we'll go over a couple other grades. I thought Dan Orlovsky did a really nice job breaking down the Jordan Love plays, uh, specifically the, the play to Luke Musgrave and then the play, uh, the screen to Musgrave as well. I thought he... I don't know. The screen to Musgrave is interesting. I will say that Sean Clifford later in the game had a screen where the running back wasn't really in a perfect angle. And he did a good job of rolling out and getting himself in a better angle so he could complete the play to the running back. Um, I thought there was an opportunity, maybe for Jordan to not just drop an arm angle and just try to go through the defender, and instead maybe work yourself into another angle. I thought maybe Musgrave, as, as Kevin Harlan said on the um, on the play by play, too, you know that maybe the or maybe it was Kuhn. I forget one of the two. Like said that maybe they could have uh, you know opened up a little bit better and, and given him that you know, a better window. I, the the screenplay is not a big deal. I will say this: if you watch the All 22, and and Orlovsky pointed this out as well. Love is fantastic. Manipulating his eyes, making sure that the linebacker is going to come this way. And it almost, it's not quite no look, but you can tell he's just trying to do a little bit too much. He does a great job holding the linebacker. And I mean a phenomenal job holding the linebacker. But then at that last second, he's just got to make sure that he's checking back, that he's setting his feet and hitting them in stride or, you know, putting a little less on the ball so that it's not a bullet and that Musgrave can at least come down with it and get the first down no matter what and then anything else is just, you know, bonus after that, right? So it's one that he liked have back, but if you look at it from the all 22, it is a much more different throw than it looks like from the TV tape. TV tape just looks like, "Oh, he just completely airmailed it, missed it." And he did. He did miss it. There's no question about it. I'm not giving him forgiveness here. He did miss it. But it's a lot different where he's con- he's looking the linebacker off the entire time and making sure that that linebacker, because if he if he goes with the, the tight end, what does the linebacker do, right? Linebacker's carrying right with him and there's no open Luke Musgrave. So it is Jordan's job to make sure that he's looking off that linebacker so that the linebacker starts drifting this way, or at least minimum doesn't go with Musgrave the other way, right? So he's doing everything he can, holding that linebacker, holding that linebacker, and now Musgrave clears it And it's just like, he sees it, he leads it, but he doesn't get his head fully turned. He doesn't get his, like his body wasn't completely in rhythm with it. I think if he takes that half extra second or just puts a little bit more air under it and doesn't just, you know, sort of rifle the throw to Musgrave, it's probably going to be good. But you can see like the effort that it took from Jordan to open up Luke on the play and then he just needs to make a better ball. There's no question about it. It's not, again, saying that he deserves complete forgiveness on the play, but it was a far more difficult play watching from the All-22 than it was just watching it live on the TV tape. All right, some other really fun plays. I thought Carl Brooks had three, maybe four, and I kind of talked about this yesterday as well, but he did a really great job of using two hands to swipe the uh, offensive lineman away and then burst upfield. He's got he's got really great body control and he's got a really quick like first step once he defeats the offensive lineman. So, he's got active violent hands gets, you know, rips their hands down or like rips their hands away. And then a quick first step up field. And then the offensive lineman's like struggling to recover. And meanwhile, he's on his way to the quarterback. This has shown up all training camp and now showed up in the first preseason game as well. It was a sneaky, uh, you know, kind of quiet game from Carl Brooks when you look at like the box score and stuff, but multiple pressures, some really good stuff, a plus 0.25 grade on the day for Carl, you know, for Carl Brooks. Two Luke Musgrave plays I want to talk about. So on Jaden Reed's completion, the one where Reed high pointed it and made the awesome catch, Luke Musgrave is the wide receiver out to the left. So he's a tight end still, but he's wind, he's lined up wide to the left, right? He's running a nine route against the corner and he beats him. Like he's got a half step. Now the safety is going over the top to, to help with Musgrave, right? Great, that is fantastic. Let me just tell you, and this is no diss on Robert Tunyon, if Robert Tunyon's out wide, the safety doesn't even care. The safety's not even looking over there. The corner's gonna be just fine, so, right? So now the safety goes down to Jaden Reed or the safety goes to other you know parts of the field to, to get them covered. He doesn't even remotely care about Robert Tunyon or whomever else is over there. And then same thing if like right now, if Tucker Craft or had Tyler Davis been over there, Austin Allen, safety's not going over there. The fact that Luke Musgrave, took a corner on an outside route and went right up the field and stacked him and had a half step on him, if not more, whew, that changes the calculus for the defense a lot. And that is going to be a big time. You want to know why Jaden Reed's one-on-one over the middle? It's because the safety's watching that tight end. And then how about the Jaden Reed pass interference play? That was almost a touchdown to the right side. Do you remember the deep ball, the Christian Watson and family night, the touchdown and the two minute drill from Jordan Love? Who occupied two safeties on that Christian Watson touchdown? Luke Musgrave, right up the seam. Uh, It may have been a corner and a safety, whatever it was. Two defenders deep down the field running with Luke Musgrave gives Christian Watson the one-on-one on on the outside. Fast forward a week later, preseason game, you know what's happening. Jaden Reed's on the outside one-on-one. Luke Musgrave's running up the seam. Safety takes Luke Musgrave to double him. And guess who's open on the outside? One-on-one, Jaden Reed. Almost a touchdown. Instead, it's PI and Green Bay gets it first and goal. I think punches it in, I think right after that. I think that was the the Tyler Goodson run, but either way, like Luke Musgraves, we've talked about like MVS in the past and that he had some gravity to him because he had that 4-3-40 speed and he opened up everything like underneath for Devontae and Aaron Jones and Tunyon and those sort of things. And then last year we talked about it with Christian Watson, where play you know, teams are starting to go with him. Even on the Romeo Dobbs touchdown pass, the Watson going to the right, two two defenders going with him, leaves Romeo Dobbs one-on-one on the other side. So Green Bay is starting to have potentially, don't want to jump too far, but two players in Musgrave and Watson who start really having a ton of gravity going their way. We're seeing this in family night in preseason and in training camp for Luke Musgrave. He is a rookie. And it is very exciting what he is doing to opposing defenses already. Now, we'll see when the regular season and the real lights come on, what that equates to. But teams are already paying attention to that guy and it's paying off with big big plays to Watson and Reed and Jaden Reed again. It, it, he is going to be a wide receiver's best friend if that ultimately continues. All right, Sean Clifford's two interceptions. Want to talk about those really quick. So I gave him a little bit of accident forgiveness yesterday. I still agree with one. I'm giving them less accident forgiveness on the other. So let's talk about the one to Tucker Craft first. I don't think Tucker Craft did a good enough job of coming back to the ball on that play. I thought, Sean. if you look at that ball, when Sean delivers the ball, it's going to be a tight throw. But when Sean delivers that ball, if Tucker's coming back to it, which earlier in the, in the game, Musgrave did a great job. It wasn't thrown to Musgrave on the play, but Musgrave, I noticed it and I noted it did a great job coming back to the ball. Just in case case it got thrown to him, he wasn't just sitting there and planting, he was coming back to the ball and making sure if it was thrown his way, he was coming back and giving the quarterback a window to throw in. I thought Tucker Craft was planted and he did nothing to kind of come back and try to get the ball. Furthermore, if you watch it right at the very end, and I know people yesterday, a couple people commented of like, you know, Kraft couldn't have wrestled it away because it was behind him. Watch Kraft get bumped right before, uh, you know, he gets his hands on the ball. Kraft's in position and then Kraft gets bumped away by the defender. And then it's a, it's a kind of like a battle for both, but Kraft gets bumped off the ball. That's where as a tight end, you've got to, you've got to be the big physical, like box out you know, power forward at that point. I'm not getting moved off my spot. You're not getting in here. And if the ball is anywhere near me, I'm catching it and you're not. So I I don't mind that ball from Sean, honestly. It's a contested ball and probably falls incomplete more often than not. Probably not intercepted, at least very rarely so. And I think if Tucker comes back to it and just kind of boxes out a little bit more. At, at worst it's an incompletion. So I, that, that to me is a little bit more on Tucker still the other one. yes, Sean Ryan gets beat clean and you know, Sean has somebody in his face immediately, but, but to me, here's what happens. So the, the safety's in to begin with, like, which means if you're a Cuban, you're thinking, Oh, he could be a robber on that side of the field. All right. So it looks like from the end zone view, Sean maybe takes a slight peek to the right at the snap and the safety does not come up. The safety just kind of stays and maybe takes like a millimeter step backwards, if anything. And it feels like Sean's thinking that safety is going backwards. I don't have to worry about him anymore. So he looks left and it's a play designed for the crosser. So the two like other receivers on that side, receiver, tight end, whatever it was, they're basically running you know, clearance, like clearing routes so that this underneath route can take shape. And so they're running the clearing routes. He gets immediate pressure. I think he thought that that little look to the safety, seeing him back up was going to be enough that he was probably going back in like a cover two. And then he sees wicks coming open thinking that the safety's already gone, looks, sees pressure immediately in his face, leads the wide receiver coming across on the crosser, not realizing that the safety did not go back. He came down into that robber position, made a great play screaming down, picking it off and taking it to the house. Now, a couple things here. A, I didn't think, you know, from a pre-snap read standpoint, seeing that safety up a little bit tells me as a QB that he could be in a potential robber position. He took a quick look over there to see what he did, he didn't do enough like getting back into a cover two position that I think that you just clear that and say like, okay, he's not going to be there. And it was, it wasn't even like enough of like a really good, like look to really feel like what he was going to be doing. And then the bigger thing is like, you just can't throw in front of a wide receiver unless you have vision on it. He had no vision on it. He thought he looked at the safety. It's my guess. And that thought the safety was moving back, but didn't know for sure. And that's just to me, like one of those rookie learning uh, opportunities. So Two picks. The, the craft one, I'm not too concerned about. And the other one is just going to be a learning opportunity. He's not going to make that mistake again, would be my guess. And he's going to make sure that he's checking that safety. And if he gets pressure, just take the sack and live to see another day. Two, a couple of really impressive throws, though, from Sean Clifford. He had a play where he dropped, I think he's in shotgun, and everything's covered up. And I mean, everything is covered up at the snap. So he, he rolls out to the left. Samari Touré does a great job of getting open. And he just throws an absolute dime to Toure down the field. I posted it on Twitter if you want to see it, but really big time throw. Because if like good quarterbacks can make a, a simple throw and give your you know wide receivers a chance, right? The best quarterbacks make the players around them better. There was nobody open on the play. He bought time. He drifted to his left, rolled left, and then threw an absolute dime with Samori Toure coming open at the end of the play. Nice shot by Toure coming open late, but off of initial reads, the five eligible players, not one of them was open. So he bought time and then threw an absolute dime to Torrey, which was perfect. And then he had a throw to Dontavian Wicks where, um, and it was a third down throw too, where Wicks is is coming. He's kind of like caught up a little bit. He throws this thing. Wicks is still like, hasn't even reached his break point on the route. So he throws it Wicks breaks, ca- like turns around, catches it perfectly in stride. Big time, big time anticipation throw by Sean Clifford on third down, backed up in his own end zone. And he throws with timing and anticipation to a coming open Dontavian Wicks that just not many quarterbacks have the gumption to make that throw that early and trust that a wide receivers worked with an extremely minimal amount is going to break open. All right, really, really quick. Uh, some other noteworthy grades. Jaden Reed, plus 0.55. Dontavian Wicks, plus 0.5. I thought both of them showed out really, really well. Put a lot of really good tape out there. Austin Allen, 0.25. Note that, I think it was Kevin Harlan on the, the Packers uh, preseason you know broadcast said that Green Bay really liked him. Well, He's now tight end number three. So let's hope that is the case. He did put a nice game together. So hopefully that's a good sign for Austin Allen moving forward. An undrafted free agent a couple years ago, who I really, really liked coming out, was surprised he wasn't drafted, then was surprised he got cut by the Giants and like off of their practice squad and everything. Nice pickup by Green Bay. He he could end up with a number three tight end spot if he continues to play well. Sean Ryan, I did have a a plus 0.25 grade on. Did have a couple really tough plays, no question about it. But the rest of the day held up pretty well, had a couple really, really nice run blocks. I'm not alone here. PFF also had a slightly positive grade on him as well. So we were almost in lockstep with that grade. But um, yeah, we we both had it almost the same way where a couple pressures that he allowed that he needs to clean up, including the big time interception, which was a big time negative grade, but some really, really nice run blocking mixed in there as well. A couple really nice pass protections. Some stuff that you can... Take with you if you're Sean Ryan, but certainly a few plays that he really needs to clean up as well. LVN, Lucas Van S, negative 0.3 grade. You could tell he was thinking out there. This is when we talk about a couple of those rookies thinking out there, he was thinking. He's trying to put together a pass rush plan. I didn't think he necessarily had a lot of great opportunities. Definitely thought he would have fared better against some backup offensive linemen wasn't to be on that specific day. I think he's going to learn from it. He's going to grow from it. He's far too talented uh, to continue to be stymied. He's just got to put together a pass rush plan and, you know, figure out what he ultimately does well and how he wants to get to the quarterback. Thought he was maybe trying to be a little too cute at times. He's just got like, I I don't know that I saw like a speed to power rush from him. I need to see a little bit more speed to power bull rush. Use that physicality that he has. Let me see you look like Hercules. I know you're quick too, but you're not just going to beat NFL players around the edge. You're going to have to develop a pass rush plan. A lot of time left for LVN. He's going to be just fine, but negative 0.3 grade there. Elton Jenkins plus 0.4 had a awesome day at limited action. And as Ben Fennel mentioned on Twitter, he should against a lot of backups, but nice day for Elton Jenkins. He looked like Elton Jenkins, which is a good thing. Josh Myers and Yash Nyman, both plus 0.25 grades. So not too much separation if you're looking to see who should start there. As I mentioned, I like Zach Tom better at right tackle than I do at center just in general and in this game as well. So we'll see. But I thought Myers and Nyman both had pretty solid days in, in minimal playing time. Brenton Cox plus 0.35, a couple nice pressures, the tip ball that led to the interception. So he had a couple flash plays as well. Some players that hurt their cause Royce Newman, I think he's going to be hard pressed. Uh, I mean, he's probably still uh, on the team at the moment, maybe, I don't know, but he's now very much in the conversation of does he make the team or not. Patrick Taylor, in large part due to Emmanuel Wilson having a great game, but I thought Taylor had some opportunities, didn't make the most of them. Not a bad day by Patrick Taylor, but I thought there were a couple opportunities just to maybe be a little bit better. And certainly when you have Emmanuel Wilson have the day that he had um, in comparison, it makes it tough for Taylor. Bo Melton, I thought, had a tough day and and was uh, multiple steps behind what I thought You know, guys like Malik Keith and Dontavian Wicks and those type of guys were. So a little bit of a tough day for Melton and Jonathan Owens with the negative .55 with two really tough plays. Um, that's not going to help him. I thought Tavarius Moore had a nice day as well. So we'll see what that means long term. But those are a few players that I thought maybe hurt their cause just a little bit. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll of course be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. So you're not going to want to miss it. Make sure to subscribe until next time though. And as always go Packo.